Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to he- here today. We're glad that you're here, and it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord, to worship with one another, to fellowship with God and with one another, and we welcome you. We welcome our guests especially today, and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family today as we worship the Lord. A few announcements I'd like to call to your attentions. We have a lot of things going on uh, this week. Uh, first of all, let me remind everyone of the attendance uh, sheets that are on each row. We'd like to ask if everyone would take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your visit with us this morning, of your uh, attendance with us this morning. And please fill it out completely because we'd like to send you some information about our church if, uh, and get you on our, our list, our email list for email news. We send out a newsletter every week on Thursday mornings that updates you, updates you on things that are coming up um, uh, some activities and opportunities here at the church. So if you would fill that out, we would certainly appreciate it. We have a lot of things going on this morning. We have a lot of meetings going on uh, this afternoon. Um, as a matter of fact, we have a day full of it. Right after the worship service, there's going to be a, a meeting of uh, the Upward Committee, the Upward Team. Uh, then at 3 o'clock, there's a church council meeting, and there's a trustees meeting at 4 o'clock, and a deacons meeting at 6 o'clock. So for some of y'all, I hope you just plan to stay all day. Uh, but uh, that means we're busy. We're bu- busy doing God's work, and that's a good thing. Uh, next Sunday we're, is a special day because that's the day when we will be ordaining Lana Hopgood to the deacon ministry. She was elected as a deacon uh, this year, and we'll be ordaining her. So please put that on your calendar and make sure to be here for that. And let me give a word of thanks to everyone who pulled their efforts together for a wonderful, successful fall festival that we had on Wednesday. What a wonderful time that was. Yes. Everybody had a great time, had lots and lots of folks here. I think we uh, the estimate is that we served somewhere between 250 and 300 folks on uh, Wednesday night and had a lot, a lot of uh, kids running around in costumes, a lot of adults running around in costumes, and, and I think everybody had a great time. So thank you, everybody, who uh, had a part in that. Uh, one other thing I'd like to call to your attention, and that is that on November the 18th, a few weeks from now, a couple of weeks from now, we will be having a joining Sunday here at the church. Uh, this is an opportunity for folks who may have uh, been thinking about uh, becoming a member of, of Community Baptist Church, but just haven't gotten around to it. I don't know if y'all have seen those round to it. Uh, I, I used to see those things. Uh, if you didn't get around to it, they'd give you a little wid- wooden disc and said it was it had the words to it on it. So it was a round to it. So uh, this is just giving you an opportunity to get around to it if God is leading you in that direction. And we're not trying to pressure anybody to do something that they don't want to do or not ready to do. But we do want to make it easy for you if that's something that God is leading you to do. Uh, so please keep that in mind. And uh, we'll be we'll be uh, having that on November the 18th. It is great to be in the house of the Lord. It's great to be with God's people. Let me invite you to stand up and turn around, shake the hands of the people around you, greet each other in the name of the Lord and with the love of Christ.
right, let's keep standing, guys. This is a new song. I want you to participate. I want you to come learn it. We stand and lift up our hands. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He.
Let us pray together. Oh, God, you are indeed holy, Lord God Almighty. And we thank you for your presence and your holiness in this place today. We thank you that we can gather here to worship you. We thank you that we are your people. And we pray that your holiness will be felt not only in the midst of this worship experience, but also in our individual lives so that we might be touched by your spirit, that we might know that you are God and that we might glorify your holy name today. Thank you, God, for your presence, for the blessings of each day and for the glory that you exhibit in your in your being. And we bring glory to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Going to
seated. Boys and girls, you're going to have somewhere different today. We're going to meet right down here in front, not on the side the way we do it, but right down here. And Greg is going to be. Uh, Good morning, boys and girls. Come on right. down. Join me. Have a seat. It's good to see you. I've got two friends down there I'm going to introduce you to in a minute. Isn't it a beautiful day today outside? We just went over in a Sunday school class that we should give God praises for all sorts of things. And it's very easy to praise him for a day like this. How many of you were at Upward Basketball yesterday? Let me see your hands. All right. That was a big day. It's good to see your smiling faces, and it's good to be here with you today. You may be asking, Greg, uh, where, where are you exactly? And I promise you that I, I'm here with you. There are a lot of things that we can't see that are invisible that we're asked to believe in and have faith in. Air is one of those things. Germs. We can't see them. We know they're around. People are sick in the hospitals. God and Jesus are two of those things, too, that we can't see, but that we believe in. There are two children in front of you. They're very special children. You can see them. They can't see you because it's a photograph. But I promise you, there are at least a couple of things in common with these special children that you have. One of them is that you're special, I just mentioned. The other one is that... There are parents or grandparents or friends in the congregation who love you so much that you love also. And there's another thing that you share. We have a common creator that created us all. And he's even more in love with you than your parents are, believe it or not. As I just said earlier, you're created as a special, one-of-a-kind, unique person. There's nothing else in the world. There's nobody else in the world like you. These two little boys and girls up here are special just like you are too. They happen to be, one of them is my great nephew. And the other one is a friend and an acquaintance from uh, St. Mary's Hospital. Um, God, when he created you and he created us all, created us for a particular reason. The little boy on the right may grow up to be a king or a president. The little girl may be a nurse, an artist, a homemaker. Who knows? But one thing I do know is we all have a job to do, and we're created on this earth for a reason. So that's really what I want to talk to you about is why we're here. And we are here for a reason. Some of us know right off the bat while we're here. And some of us, it takes us years to learn while we're here. But we are here for a reason. Um, We had a person yesterday at Upward that gave the devotion. That I was very, very impressed with. She moved me, actually. Her name is Ellie Corsi. I've never met Ellie before. But she used the analogy, for those of you who are here, of Jesus being a bridge to God for us. And she had some visual examples for that. But Jesus is that bridge for us to talk to God, to meet God, to be with God. So I want to end today with 
a piece of scripture that you're probably familiar with. If you're not, you will be before long. I learned it at your age or um, shortly after your age. And it's John 3.16. Does anybody know John 3.16 by chance, by heart? Kelsey, you know that by chance? No? Okay. I tell you what, congregation, let's see how many people do know this. I bet you a lot of them do. Will you repeat with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So that means Jesus is that bridge to God. We have a relationship with God. He has all sorts of treasures in store for us here on this earth and treasures in heaven, too, that are just uncomprehendable. So I will close with this. If you want to know more about that bridge and Jesus being that bridge, you talk to Pastor Tim, you talk to your parents, you talk to your grandparents, or you come see me. I'll be happy to talk to you. Okay? I have a gift for you today in the box. This gift is... A special gift, just like you are. I want you to take that gift home and either put it up on a bulletin board or use it as a bookmarker. But you keep it as a reminder that God created you specially for a reason. And you're here today for a special reason. You may not know exactly why yet, but I promise you, you're here for a reason. Let's pray together. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for these children. We thank you for the special gifts they provide and the laughter they provide in our life. May we as adults of this church community be good examples for them. And may we always keep you foremost out front of us. We pray these things in your most holy name. Amen. Here's your gift.
Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for our country where we can worship you in freedom. And others can also worship in freedom. We thank you for everything that you've given us. We know that everything has come from you. We pray that as we give our tithes and offerings, we will give back a portion of what you've given us to spread your word throughout the world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
a wonderful blessing that is, isn't it? They sang that there is none like Christ, like Jesus, like our Lord. And let me say to these kids, there's none like you either. And we thank you for leading us in worship today. Our scripture reading for today comes from Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 1 and reading through verse 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Lord, look. Half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of God for you and me. You know, there is something odd about the sight of a grown man up in a tree, isn't there? Unless, of course, that that man must be a, a, a in the tree cutting business or something like that. But even in that case, if somebody is up in the tree cutting down limbs and things like that, we find ourselves stopping and watching as they go about their work. In fact, it is so unusual that there's a current TV program called Men in Trees. There was a story a while back about a man in Poland who climbed a tree to avoid a a taxi fare, which totaled just a few dollars. But he was pursued by the irate taxi driver, and the passenger climbed up into a tall tree and jumped from branch to branch. He was hurling bananas from a shopping bag at the crowd that had gathered below at the scene. More than a dozen firefighters were called in, and they spread out this this huge airbag underneath the tree as a police psychologist was sent up in a cherry picker to try to negotiate with this man and talk him down. After about a two and a half hour standoff, the man finally agreed to come down. However, he learned a very hard lesson because the last I heard the fire brigade was planning to send him a bill for forty three hundred dollars to cover the cost of the rescue operation, all to avoid a few dollars in a taxi fare. And why did the crowd gather to watch? Because it's odd to see a grown man up in a tree. One of the best known stories in the New Testament is about a man who was up in a tree. His name was Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, which meant that he was wealthy and he was powerful. But he was also despised in his own community. 
For you see, tax collectors worked for the Roman government and perpetuated the oppression against Israel from the Romans. They practiced a form of legal extortion, charging whatever fees they wanted to charge and pocketing the extra money for themselves. But Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. However, being a short man, he could not see him because of all of the crowds. So he climbed up in a tree to get a a better view. Now, this certainly says something to us about Jesus's popularity. It seems that at this particular time in his ministry, Jesus was somewhat of a superstar. Eventually, the crowds would turn against him and even cry out for his crucifixion. But when he had this encounter with Zacchaeus, Jesus was a public sensation, a celebrity, an icon with with groupies following him all over the place. I'm sure if they had tabloids in those days, Jesus would have been on the front cover of each of them as we walked out of the uh, grocery store checkout line. Paparazzi would have hounded his every move. And like the Pharisees and Sadducees, they would have tried their best to catch him in some compromising situation. That's the situation. That's the kind of situation that Zacchaeus found himself in. Too many people wanting to see this stranger from Nazareth. And a short man didn't have a chance. But Zacchaeus was determined to see Jesus, the celebrity in town. And so he climbed up in a tree and he waited. And I suspect that Jesus was pleased with Zacchaeus's zeal. I mean, think about it. A grown man up in a tree. A grown man wearing robes, climbing up into a tree. Forget about his pride. Forget about his dignity. Zacchaeus wanted to see what kind of man Jesus really was. And so he climbed up into a tree to get a good look. Zacchaeus was what we would call today a seeker. He wasn't one of the religious crowd. In fact, they probably looked down on Zacchaeus. No, there's no probably about it. They did look down on Zacchaeus. They didn't like Zacchaeus at all. The religious crowd despised Zacchaeus. They judged him. He was a tax collector, for goodness sake. He was acting on behalf of Rome. He was a traitor to his own people. He was wealthy, but not in a way that would bring credit to his name. And so you would probably not find Zacchaeus in the synagogue on the day of Sabbath because he would not have been welcomed there. And yet Zacchaeus had something missing from his life. And apparently he was painfully aware of it. He was searching for something more. And I would venture to say that there are a lot of people like Zacchaeus in our society today. They're lost and they're alone and they desperately want to find what is missing in their lives. It's kind of like one young woman whom we will call Anne. 
Anne's alcoholic father abandoned her family when she was very young. Her mother and her grandmother raised her in a home that was filled with anger and bitterness and stress. But the family's maid, Hattie, offered an oasis of peace and love for Anne. When she was done with her chores every day, Hattie would sit down at the kitchen table and open her Bible and read from the words of God. And it was through Hattie that Anne learned about God and learned about God's love for her. Well, years passed and Anne married and moved away from home. And and then one Sunday morning, Anne's pastor was under the weather. And so a friend asked Anne to fill in for him in the worship service. So that morning she began the service by announcing, I would like to show you a picture of Jesus. And at that point, she held up a picture of Hattie. Her message revolved around the example of love and caring that she first learned from the housemaid who lived out her faith. And my friends, there are a lot of people like Anne, a lot of people like Zacchaeus, people who are seeking, people who need somebody to show the show them the way to the master. And Jesus was impressed with Zacchaeus's determination, so much so that when Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was perched up in his tree, Jesus looked up at him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down from there, for I must stay at your house today. Now it was Zacchaeus's turn to be impressed. The master knew his name. Did you catch that little bit of detail in that? Verse of Scripture. Zacchaeus was not simply a face in the crowd. When Jesus looked on the crowd of people who clamored to see him, he didn't see a, a teeming multitude or a faceless mass of humanity. He saw Micah and, and Mary and Hosea and Ruth. And he saw Zacchaeus. And this is a part of the wonder of the gospel message because Jesus knows each of us by name. The Bible tells us that God knows even the number of hairs on our heads. We're not simply a number in a computer. We're not simply a face in a crowd. Our names give us importance. Our names give us individuality. And God knows us by name. And that's important. This summer, my family and I went to Washington, D.C., where we visited many of the monuments and memorials in that great city. And while we were while we were there, we reverently strolled by a great slab of black marble that rises up out of the ground, which bears the names of fifty eight thousand two hundred and forty nine individuals who paid the ultimate price. The Vietnam War Memorial. Often, as you stand there, you will see family members or fellow soldiers reach out and touch a name on that wall. And I think it's important for us not to think of the war dead as merely a number. Fifty eight thousand two hundred and forty nine. But as individuals with names 
with their own personal dreams, people that they loved and people who loved them. And that's the way God is, too. Because, you see, God never thinks in terms of numbers. That's what Jesus was saying to us in the parable of the ninety nine sheep, the one that went astray. and He left the ninety and nine to to go and find the one. The shepherd doesn't look and see merely a flock of sheep, a, a mass, a, a blob of white. No. Every sheep is individually prized. And the good shepherd knows if every sheep by name and is painfully aware when one is missing from the flock. And in the same way, God knows each of God's children by name. God knows our needs. God knows the road that we have traveled and God knows the, the trouble that we have faced and the victories that we have won. And so Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. And needless to say, Zacchaeus hurried down from that tree and he welcomed Jesus into his house. Well, the rest of the crowd wasn't very happy about this. Because you see, Zacchaeus had a reputation. He was not a very nice man and, and they knew it. And they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Well, that's very human, isn't it? The crowd sees Jesus eating with Zacchaeus and they begin to criticize him. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. They couldn't know what Jesus' intent might be. They couldn't know why he chose to visit Zacchaeus. They couldn't know what was going on in Zacchaeus' heart. True, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, but they couldn't see what was really in his heart. And I wonder how often you and I are guilty of passing judgment when we do not know all the facts either. But that's the difference between God and us. Because you see, God knows all about us. God knows what is in our hearts. God's knowledge is infinite and intimate. And so if you're a seeker today like Zacchaeus was, do not be deterred by the judgmental spirit of some other person. Because God offers God's love and grace for us without any conditions at all. And obviously, this is exactly what Zacchaeus had been looking for. And the folks down at the synagogue, they put all kinds of conditions on their acceptance or lack of acceptance of Zacchaeus. You can't come here, they would say. You're not welcome here. You're not like us. You don't act like us. We don't approve of the things that you are doing. But Jesus offered Zacchaeus and us God's love and mercy without condition. And that's exactly what Zacchaeus needed. He stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've ever cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. We have a word for that. It's called repentance. 
When Zacchaeus understood who Jesus was and how much Jesus cared about him, he couldn't continue in his old lifestyle any longer. No longer could he be a cheat. No longer could he use his office to exploit others. Instead, he would use his resources to reach out to others and to help those who were less fortunate than himself. You know, so often we hear that word repentance and we think to ourselves that it's a synonym for being sorry, for feeling sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for all of my sins that I've committed. But folks... That's a part of it. But repentance is so much more than that. So much more than simply being sorry. Zacchaeus said, look, Lord, here and now I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. That, my friends, is repentance. Les Parrott tells about it's a funny story. Tells about a pig that actually flew in the passenger cabin of a U.S. Airways jet from Philadelphia to Seattle. Now, I, know, I know that's hard to imagine, but it actually happened a while back. It seems that there were two passengers who convinced a representative of the airline, that this pig needed to fly with them as a therapeutic companion pet, kind of like a seeing-eye dog. So the representative decided to permit this pig to get on the plane and fly with them in the first-class cabin of the plane. Well, needless to say, it was a decision that they soon would regret. Passengers described this 300-pound pig as enormous, brown, angry, and honking. He was seated in three seats near the front of the plane, but the attendants, the flight attendants, reportedly had a lot of difficulty strapping him in, I can imagine. He became restless after takeoff and sauntered through the cabin, one passenger said. He kept rubbing his nose against people's legs to get them to give him some food or to pet him. And when they landed, things only got worse. For you see, the pig panicked. And he started running up and down the aisles of economy class, squealing and knocking people over. Many passengers, also squealing, were standing in their seats. And it took four flight attendants to escort this beast off of the plane. When they finally reached the terminal, the pig escaped, only to be captured in another part of the airport. When asked for a comment on this story, a U.S. Airways representative said this, We can confirm that the pig traveled, and we can confirm that it will never happen again. My friends, that is repentance. It happened. It was a mistake. It'll never happen again. And that's what happened to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus found what he had been looking for, and he found it in a man named Jesus. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come. 
to this house. Zacchaeus was a changed man. He wasn't simply a different, a, a better man. He was a different man. You may know this story. Back in 1898, there was a young bank clerk named William Porter who was convicted of embezzling money from the bank in which he worked, and so he spent the next three years of his life in prison. But while he was in prison, Porter was determined to change his life, and so he he began writing short stories to earn money for his family. One of his prison guards, a man named Orrin Henry, encouraged William Porter, and he believed that this former bank clerk could make a fresh start after he was released from prison. And so one day the prisoner asked the prison guard if he could, a very unusual favor. He asked if he could have Orrin Henry's name. For you see, a new man starting a new life needed a new name. And so Orrin Henry graciously agreed, but he made William Porter promise that he would take good care of that name. And Porter was glad to do so. In 1901, after he was released from prison, William Porter became a well-known writer. In fact, even today, his short stories are still considered classics of English literature. You may know him by his pen name, O. Henry. A new man. A new name. And in the same way, Zacchaeus had a new name after his encounter with Jesus, Because now he could be called Christian. And I have a feeling that he he took good care of that name. So how about you? Are you a seeker this morning? Is there some void in your life that only God can fill? God knows your need and and God waits for you with open arms. So I guess the only question that remains is this. Is today the day to begin all over again? To seek Christ as Christ seeks you. To accept the unconditional love and mercy of God. To become a new person. That's what God offered that man up in the tree. That's what God offers us today. So is the day the day that you will accept? It can be. It can be as we recognize the grace of God in our lives. As we accept what is offered to us. And as we make the commitment To follow Christ and be a new person. And that's what God calls us to do. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation in just a moment. It's number 305. I have decided to follow Jesus. There may be people here today who are seeking. Like Zacchaeus was. You're not a part of the religious crowd. Don't feel comfortable there. Because sometimes they're looking down their nose at you. But Jesus, you know, has an answer for you. And Jesus, you know, has something to fill that void in your life. And so 
if that's the case, I challenge you to make that commitment to Jesus Christ this morning. To allow the grace and the forgiveness of God to unconditionally surround you with his love. There may be someone who is looking for a church home to be a part of, and we invite you to come and unite with our congregation, our fellowship, as we seek to be the people of God the best way we can. Or perhaps there's just some something that you need to get straight between you and God, and we invite you to come and just have a word of prayer if you want to do that. Just to come and pray to get your life with God right to accept the love that he has to offer. If God's dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come today as we sing 305. I have decided to follow Jesus. Would you come? Oh God, we give our hearts to you now. And we make that commitment to follow you and not turn back. To follow you the ways that you would have us to go. We are thankful for the love and the mercy that you so freely give to us without condition. And we pray, God, that we may live our lives in such a way that we may approach that love and that mercy in our dealings with each other. Thank you, God, for your presence here today, for the privilege of being in your presence. And we pray that your spirit would go with us as we go into this world and as we seek to be your people and to do your work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.